Enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. The Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror. <laughs> Hello, my little witchfinder generals. The old horror host had an idea. I'm doing a dark ritual, and get this. I'm going to go back in time and use all my technology to seem like I'm magic and gain much power so that I can learn the dark arts of medieval magic. Then I'm going to come back to modern times and terrorize and bully everybody with actual magic. It's a great idea, and I got it from tonight's movie, 1989's Warlock. And you know, sometimes people say the book is better than the movie, and it's true in this case too. They cut all the sodomy out of the movie. Shame, really. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror. I am one of your hosts, Mr. Luke Giaconetti. I'd like to thank everyone for downloading and listening to the show. And I can't do this alone. This this particular spell is going to require a group of four. And so left to right across your podcast dial, we've got my brother, Mr. Jason Giaconetti. Not a local product, are you? Nope, no, you're not. And uh, also joining us is the hair metal hero, Chris Tyler. Let's tarry not. <laughs> Let us not tarry. And rounding out our uh, little... <laughs> Who's Terry? <laughs> Who's Terry? Terenimus. Terremorous? Well, you guys don't know the Terremorous. But, uh, and you, you heard him there. The one, the only, the two true freaks OG, Chris Honeywell. Well, boys, you know what time it is. Time to throw another cat on the fire. <laughs> He speaks English, like English, English, you know. So <laughs> that's uh, my other backup one. I did yeah. try to go with one that people made out of, you know, but it's uh, you know, Cassandra with a K. Um, you know, I have to say that. So, and, uh, and they wonder why we hate the Lakers. But uh, the <laughs> so tonight we are taking a look. Set your way back machine to 1989. Oh wait, I mean 1991. It's Warlock. 
the next film in line for our uh, Horror Rack Hanger On, taking a look at movies you might have found at your local video store back in the 80s and 90s in the Horror Rack. And Warlock does kind of straddle that line because it was produced in 1989 and did get released internationally that year, but did not see theatrical release here in the States until 1991. So the earliest VHS edition of it is unsurprisingly because it is a it is actually the first film by Trimark Entertainment, their first theatrical film. So the Vidmark Entertainment, of course, their uh, VHS was released in 1991. Uh, you've you've probably seen this. It's the only image ever used for Warlock in any in in the in the states. You got Julian Sands wearing all black with his fingers steepled and uh, no shoes, and he's casting a demonic shadow. He's come from the past to destroy the future. And, uh, you know, has the Satan also has one son, which was part big, big part of the marketing for this film. Very uh, kind of tasteful, not really a crazy VHS cover, but certainly does the job. And and yeah, striking. And, and it's this it's very funny because a lot of my when I was doing research for this was about Vidmark and Trimark and whatever happened to them. And it's 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 really funny to me what actually happened to them because it's so obvious that it's like the perfect ending to this company that was another, you know, one of these companies from the 90s that did a lot of VHS stuff. So, uh, and um, not, not to bury the lead, they were bought by Lionsgate. They were one of many companies that Lionsgate acquired so that Lionsgate could also release those types of movies. So, <laughs> so this is, to me, it's like it's a 90s movie, but it's also an 80s movie. So it does kind of have a, a weird sort of vibe like that. So real quick, let me just throw this in there, Luke. Uh, your director is Steve Meyer, uh, yeah. and tying together that 1980s and 1990s and being released by, you know, companies that eventually would become Lionsgate. Um, real quick, I just want to throw this in there because I found this really interesting when I was reading about this. Originally, Julian Sands was uh, was supposed to be, uh, um, play the role of, uh, of Redfern. Redfern. Yeah. And Rob E. Grant was supposed to do the Warlock. But Stephen Miner said, hey, you know what? Let's switch them mm-hmm. and play this type. And I was like, and I'm looking at them now thinking, like, there's no way in the world this movie would have sold as well if the pretty guy is the good guy and the bubby-looking guy is the bad guy. It has to be the way it is. You know, right. like, Julian Sands, a.k.a. the prettiest fan of the opera of all time. Oh, uh, yes. for, those, for those who have never seen Argento's Phantom of the Opera, Jay, that's not the movie with the nails under the eyes. Yes, that's opera. That's, that's a different opera. Movie. That's a different movie. Yeah. 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 Right. They're different the same way that Luke and I are not the same person. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. The, the other the other the other member of the crew I want to mention besides uh, Steve Miner, David Tui. I know that um, blew my mind when I threw this on this morning. I right. Like, oh, I mean, shit. everybody of course, yeah, best known of course as the writer of Critters 2 the main course, but also, you know, <laughs> Yes, but he so he wrote and directed all three Riddick films, and is scheduled to write and direct the fourth one whenever bring it, that. Bring it on! I'm ready. So and then, and, and then Jerry Goldsmith. Yeah, I, I have and, to say, I have to say, Jerry Goldsmith is basically does gold. a lot of the heavy lifting in this movie. Oh yeah, yeah, which is the weird. Script, it doesn't, the script it is doesn't sound it doesn't sound like a like a Goldsmith score. What yeah. on, on first blush, you know, it doesn't have, it doesn't really, but then you think, yeah, it, it does. Like you say, it does a lot of the hard work, the heavy lifting. It, it yeah. really does because like the, 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 I mean, I think the script is, I, the script is goofy as hell, but it's, it's good. It works. It's it carries you. Fantasy horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. Right yeah. In line with all of that stuff. Like 
I, I haven't watched this since it first hit cable, so it probably would have hit cable in like '92. And I just, I had a blast watching this this morning. I was like, holy shit, it's old man Loki. Holy shit, yeah. it's fucking Jerry Goldsmith. <laughs> holy shit, yep. David Toohey. Like, well, holy I'm, shit, I'm, it's the Beastmaster sister. Like, Well, what I liked about it is all the actors reminded me of dollar store versions of other. I'm like, <laughs> all right, our hero is like a sort of dollar store Tom, Tom Hanks, you know. Tom Hanks playing Bono or something. And then we got the, the, the villain is, is dollar store Legolas. Sometimes looks a little no, like young no, Bill Maher. No, no, wait a minute. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put the, I'm gonna put, put a pin in that. That's the other way around. Orlando Bloom wishes he was as cool as Julian Sands, and I will die. <laughs> I, I, I will agree with you. Outside of Lord of the Rings, yeah, I no, te technically he came first too. But that's but, just what but, I'm, that's just what I'm seeing when I'm. Let's go besides the point that the who I don't know the name of this actor, but whatever dude they got to play, uh, Lucius Mal or. Um, uh, yeah, Lucius Malfoy in the Harry Potter movies also He's wishes he was Julian yeah. Sands. Yes, right? yes, for sure. I mean, look at him. I mean, basically was. I mean, that that will. I guarantee you, somewhere, J.K. Rowling watched Warlock and said, "I'm going to make that guy a bad guy." Hey, yeah. If he started the Harry Potter movies in '89, then he he would have definitely been Lucius Malfoy. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, the, the, that little like, kid. You know, those Harry Potter movies are supposed to take place in the '90s, but not once does somebody goes, "Hey, the Bulls are having a hell of a run, aren't they?" You know, I mean, that's just. <laughs> Wait, wait, and no one, if they're in the 90s, no one has a Big Johnson shirt, a co-ed naked shirt, a game <laughs> block hat with the writing, a starter jacket, MC Hammer pants. You're fucking even trying. Are you even did trying? It, did you even get any stock footage of Boston? Yeah. <laughs> no. What a, but, but I'm saying, like, if, if, if Harry Potter takes place in the 90s, Where's that stuff? Because I don't where's, risk it where, if you're a mother or the, not. Yeah. Where's the Zippo lighters and the scrunchies yeah. and the, yeah. uh, you know, and uh, never mind and 10 on audio cassette, you know, it's, I mean, that's, but anyway, I digress. But you know, I mean, you're right. So the thing about, the thing, the thing about Warlock <laughs> is that, you know, it gets, I've seen it get knocked because it's like, well, it's like, it's like a supernatural version of the Terminator. And it's like, okay, the fact that it's not a science fiction movie and it's ripping off the Terminator that's a, that that's pretty creative. Yeah. That's no, 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 no. It's not just... about this movie is that it, it's got every twist and turn of it is a creative twist and turn. Yes. Yeah, some of them are cliches. Some of them are sort of, you know, the, the typical trope, but there's still a creative use of it, you know? So it's, I, I, it's always struck me as being more than the sum of its parts, right? It on the surface is like, okay, this is just even Julian Sands says he didn't read the script when he first got it. Cause he assumed it was just a slasher movie. And then he read it, and he, he was like, oh, this is, he, he really enjoyed it, and so he, that's why he wanted to do it. Well, and he even came back for the second one, which has a completely different creative team. Well, and the thing watching this was, Julian Sands and Richard E. Grant are having a hell of a fucking time. Like, yeah. he, they, are, they are bringing everything that they possibly can to this low-budget All, all the actors seem to be having movie. fun. They seem to be like enjoying the whole the whole thing and and going right along with it and playing it pretty playing it pretty much straight, you know, and and like the the direction and the like cinematography is really bland and very, you know, because you know, I'm sure they were on a budget. The special effects, who boy, oh boy, like um there's some that are really good, but the practical like, ones are pretty good. Yeah, at the beginning when 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 um 
I, I guess it's when I guess it's when Dollar Store Tom Hanks first shows up. He shows up and I like the first thing I think is, oh look, it's Casper the Friendly Tornado. <laughs> shows up at the again at the end, but like I would say this is Terminator plus Highlander a with bit, just yeah. a little spice of thinner thrown in in the middle part. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was getting major as a guy who plays a lot of old video games. I was getting major Castlevania vibes with with the uh, with the uh, what's his name Redfern. Redfern. Yeah. Yeah. He's it's like he's whip. basically Simon Belmont from the first game. <laughs> right. I mean, and he's, I love how it had all the other end, all the other weapons and stuff. And, yeah. And there's all the some... different his his t- I love that both of them, like you say, have their tools and 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 their method, their mo, right? Oh my god, oh. him drooling on his on his whip, like slobbering like literally just like drooling and dribbling and slobbering on his whip in the car is like one of the weird it's almost a David Lynch scene, you know. It, it was wonderful. Salt the whip, man. Salt in his whip. Yeah, I'm salting my whip. This is how you do it. <laughs> Well, that's how you would have done it back in the day. Like he would have, you would have put salt in your mouth and put it on that way. It makes sense, you, you know. See, the, the, that's yeah. the thing is this movie, and and you don't think of it till the end. And and then when I thought of it, I was just like, ah, who cares? But like you know, the, 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 this this is a world where you could just go out and you could have all your pockets filled with salt. You could have salt and shakers and just just finish this guy off like a slug first thing right off the top. You yep. can get those fly guns that shoot the salt and just salt the hell out of him. You 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 know you could force him into a into a Burger King and use the salt. I shake prefer my the warlock salted anyway. That's I mean yeah. brings well, up the flavor. Yeah, so. for sure. I mean, and and that's and, and salt is the Hollywood anti witch go to, right? Sure. Everybody knows that that a witch can't you know can't tolerate salt, excuse me, or consecrated ground, and they use both of those here, and they but they use them both to good effect, right? That, you know, when when he salted the whip, it's then painful to him when, painful to the warlock, when Red Firm whips him and catches him on his ankle because that's where he was salting it. But it's then not painful when Cassandra tries to choke him with it because she's holding it up by the handle where he wasn't salting it. So he just throws her off, right? Yep. And then the, the consecrated ground, which to me is one of the absolute greatest twists ever in a movie, a, a witch movie that okay we're at a church graveyard it's consecrated ground he can't come on here and it's a grave relocation project which is a real thing at certain sure. places i don't know if, i don't know if that happened specifically in boston but i, I do know tell, in, yeah. yeah i do know in in certain especially down in the south where we had uh, you know a lot of the cities that were the big the big early colonial cities were down by the coast and the, the soil is not necessarily great they did that they did relocate graves and stuff that were historical because otherwise they were going to get washed away so it's like that is so brilliant because we just you know it's like okay how are they going to get around this and then it it, it it twists it because the modern world doesn't always work that way right so that right. i said it there, there's a lot of little things like that that i think uses some of the 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 witchy tropes but does it in a in a good way. Even the kid says, "Oh, where's your broomstick? Oh, I need no broomstick to fly." You know? <laughs> Thing is, at least they moved the they didn't just move the headstones; they moved the graves too. Yeah, it's not, not a poultry guy situation. Not a poultry guy situation here. Poultry. Yeah. Well, okay. So, uh, real quick, there's a couple things um, that we've kind of been talking about, but the. The flying thing is the the uh, he needs fat from an unborn 
No, uh, baptized. baptized male child. Yeah, that's Dalek or Anakin in this movie. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But the thing is, uh, they actually were go- they they had to cut the scene. Um, they actually show the the the, the kid um, carved up, and they like but they said it was just too much. Test audience just couldn't stand it, so they got that out. You can also, sort of tell because yeah. it doesn't really make the, the whole coyote thing. It all happens really quickly, you know. Like this town, yeah. like found the kid, decided it was coyotes, and went out after the coyotes. Like in like a twenty-minute period, it was amazing. Well, no, the whole thing that it was, it was air originally. The other one that was cut um, is the Channeler, uh, which is yes. uh, played by uh, uh, Mary uh, Mary Warren. She actually is topless in the scene. Oh, uh, wait! And then she is frozen, and then the devil's eyes emerge from her breast. Oh, yeah. it sounds yeah. really cool, but I bet it looked like shit, and that's why they yeah, cut it. I they that, cut that, it. The it reason, had to yeah, look that, bad because that's a keeper right there. If you if you yeah, pull well, that, it that off, that was yeah, and that that was that was what I had read is that the effect did not look right to the point that. It was, but, but, and, and they just, that's why the one they do is, is a little bit more low key than that. Um, yeah. but it's funny because that scene, you can actually see part of it where she's frozen <laughs> is in the trailer Yep. where, yes. where he says yeah. the line that the line is cut. It's, it's a, it's a, it's, I don't remember the exact line, something it's, it's about him being the satanic Messiah, but the, the spiritualist is frozen. And it's like, that always was odd. It's like, okay, that doesn't happen. And then you're like, and then you find out, oh, well, it was supposed to happen. But right, you know, that's, that, that's the thing with it. When, when the movie sat for so long, there was a lot of, to, to the point that they had that scene in there. When that trailer was cut, that scene was already gone from the, the version that was when, going to be released. Yeah. When, when so, I look at my note, I have the note, uh, you will not believe a warlock can fly. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and if, if that special effect made it into the film, and that one didn't. It had to be pretty bad. Okay. So the problem is, is that, and that him flying, while it looks poor, uh, at the the at, at every time he's flying, it looks poor. But the problem is, is that that's that's used so many different times in the movie. You couldn't cut all that effects out. Him flying, uh, yeah. And it impacts the story a lot. Her being topless and having the devil's eyes coming through her breast does not impact the story. And after it that happened, my loins. Okay. <laughs> and then so after that then what's supposed to happen then the warlock probably stomps her to death which they felt was way too violent the other thing is as Luke mentioned that he's a satanic messiah was is definitely in the trailer but the thing is when they tested the movie people hated it so they had to take it out <laughs> so, well, and the, but the thing is, they they take out they take it out but they don't at the same time because it's implied. It, it's, yes. it's still there. It says that, you know, what what about that most clever witch that completes this task for you? And it's like, he will sit at the left hand, right? So it's it's yes. still sort of there. It's definitely there if you want it to be there. It's not if you don't, right? But, right, but they cut out the direct... His so him, direct yeah, him birth. saying the witness to birth, you've just witnessed the birth of the new Messiah. Yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. part. Just cut. Um, and, and if you think about it, part of, to me... Some of the, th- the cuts that are made here, and this is part of, um, and I know they're not the same movie, 
because I actually, when I'm watching this again, I'm going, man, what happened to this? Oh, like, oh, that's together. Now I remember that's the second one because one and two kind of in my mind, I've only seen them maybe once a piece. They're a little, got a little mixed together. But the other movie that I think of that ties, doesn't tie directly, about the same time is The Prophecy uh, with Christopher Walken. Yeah. You know, yes. And that movie, uh, I think, hit much I would say it was much more popular. I I would say was much more popular than Warlock was when it came out. Um, maybe because it didn't sit in the shelf for as long and kind of whatever else might have happened. Warlock had a life on VHS. So, so did the Prophecy. But I think when you think of those two films, I always think of it being contemporary of each other. You know what I'm saying? Um, right. Even though uh, the Prophecy was made, um, it was made after it. Uh, yes. Think. Yeah. No. So the prophecy, prophecy, prophecy came out when I was in high school, so it came out a little bit later in the '90s. Yeah. So um, the thing is, if you if you, uh, you know, so but I always felt that they were kind of like contemporary of each other. Uh, yeah. Prophecy, the original one is 95, um, which yeah, is, is again, it's, it's quite a few years later. Because think about it, it's made, you know, this was made in 89, set in the shelf till 91. That's four years after the release, six, six, six years after making. Um, yeah. I think I think when you think about how those movies play out, um, it's, I think it talks the difference between, uh, you know, how people felt about, because think of it, in, in the prophecy, he's really coming into like, he's doing a lot of similar ideas, air quotes to the mic, right? Kind of thing. Like he's all about like, you know, taking over the kingdom of heaven and all this stuff. Like it's about taking the, you know, he's becoming the, you know, I'm a, the next prophet that all this stuff that's there that you see some of that here in, in Warlock, which I think is why sometimes people will conflate those two movies and think like, well, didn't that happen in this one? Doesn't happen here. Yeah, because he does not, not not the same stuff, but there's a lot of crazy shit. Right. Well, and, it, and it's those, so, yeah. I mean, so. it, and it's also those they're they're the they're the religious themed ones that are not, um, you mm-hmm. know, not the Omen, right, or the right. Exorcist, right, right. And and it, and you know, it and it it just it does kind of touch on some some similar ground like that. You also have both of them where the villain is played by a far more compelling actor than anyone else. You know, yeah. and that, you got, you got Christopher Walken as your bad guy. That usually, you know, informs your film in a certain way, right? Um, yeah. the, the, but, you know, I mean, and I, and you're right. And the thing, the thing about Warlock the Armageddon is that it's, it is absolutely not tied to this at all. It's just the Warlock and that happens to look exactly the same, except he has shorter hair. Um, but it, it, and you're right, those two get conflated. The one I always forget is that the eyeballs are in this one, but the yep. map made out of the back, the yep. skin of the back of the medium is in the second one. I always get those two flipped around because that, that seems more like it should be in this one. And the eyeball one sounds like more like a gag from the Armageddon, but no, but they're not. So they're, you know, and they, you, they, again, Sands is good in both of them, so that it, it's the Armageddon is not that great. But I've seen that one plenty of times on Sci-Fi Channel, like back in college and stuff. That was on a lot. But uh, the the one thing that it's another one of those things, like you said, Chris, that it's after the fact. It's that fridge logic. It's like you know. So the one that the one that with this one is that they go. So the opening takes place in 1691, right? And props to any movie that has people travel through time and they don't travel a uh, a, a a round number. <laughs> because the newspaper is 1988, so it's like okay, they could have they could have had it, said it in 1688 and had them travel forward 300 years, but no, they did 290 97 years. But in yeah. any event, um, when when they're when they're Cassandra and 
uh, Redfern are driving and they see the hex mark on the barn. Yep. And they go and they stop it and uh, and he and he sees the grandfather and he says Amish and the grandfather says Mennonite. Well, there were no Mennonites, let alone a full Amish community, in the colonies by 1691. That's so totally Redford, what I was thinking. I was yeah. wondering about that. So Redfern would not know who an Amish was, let alone who a Mennonite was. But again, I didn't know that when I first saw this when I was like 12. And again, but it also it, it, it's one of those things that you're just willing to, even though I know it's not right, I buy it because it's like, yes, who would be the right type of religious organization, religious practitioner that would still have the exact same, as close as possible to the exact same rituals and beliefs? It would have been an Amish. Right, and and there are things in in that faith about well, witchcraft. So it, I, I, it's, it's viable same, enough, you know. Was it Grandpa one of the guys back in the 1600s too? So he was almost like a reincarnation. It wasn't that the same actor? I don't think as, so. I don't Mike, think. So. I mean, if, if it is, it's so subtle that I missed it. I think he was one of the one of the one of the guys who went up to <laughs> confront went up the stairs to confront the guy who sort of looked like Dollar Store John Houseman. Oh no, that's um, that's Ian Abercrombie. He's in uh, yeah. he's in Ar- Army of Darkness and a bunch of other things. Richard Cost plays the Mennonite, and it's yeah. not he's not the same. He, okay. he's, he that See, guy I was sort of thought it was with, something like that that they just sort of recognized each other because they were like, oh yeah, we've uh, we've dealt with this guy before. No, that guy. No, the 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 guy who played the Mennonite was in the Deer Hunter. Uh, he oh, played. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. Uh, Richard Koss was born in 1927, and oh, okay. the old guy. He plays his father in the Deer Hunter in '78. There's no way the young guy in 1970. Uh, that guy was like 12. Uh, so, you know, come on. I will say that this this uh, this time watching this film did I did finally take the time to research something that had never made sense to me. So so they go to Boston. So here you must have been popping hard, you know. And, yeah, uh, they actually showed any real Boston. Yeah, yeah if you could afford to film in Boston, yes, it would you have couldn't been. Couldn't have bought some stock uh, footage. <laughs> Clearly not. Clearly One not. shot of the Sitco sign. That's all, all we needed. All that, all that money went to the uh, the frozen spiritualist breasts that they cut. But uh, damn it. Um, what what I I do you know? So they go to the the um, what the old North Church, right? Yep. And it's and I've always wondered. I'm like, why the hell does this priest? Have a wife. Because um, yep. I, again, you know, when you're a hammer, the whole world looks like a nail, right? right so yep. I assume that the Old North Church was a Catholic church. It's an Episcopal church. Yeah. And, and Episcopal priests have always been allowed to, to marry. So it makes perfect sense. And that's why no one is scandalized by the fact that an Episcopal priest ha- is married. So it's like, okay, yes. so again, they didn't get the... They didn't get the Mennonite one right, but they got the Episcopal one right, so that's okay. Even <laughs> even if he is married to literally the mom from the Crow, uh, you know, kind of thing. Darla, her? it's Darla, a hundred percent. I saw her go, shit, it's Darla. I forgot it was Darla. You just banging away on Darla. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I I, I, like I was a little worm on a big fucking hook. Oh, you feel like a little worm on a big fucking hook. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not, not to get us off topic, but the crow was on the other day, and Haley never seen. We're watching the crow, and I go to Kelly. I go, and, and Haley's like, "This, this is weird, and whatever." And I said, "This is important," and I explained all the stuff that happened. 
And then it's the what do you call it, when uh, when uh, Top Dollar says he goes, uh, we should. Uh, I feel like we should videotape this and watch this back later in slow yeah. motion, or you know, like that line. And the, and the, Kelly goes, "Hey," and I'm like, "Yep, that's where I got it from." You know, kind of thing. <laughs> Shit's going crazy. Like, I feel like we should videotape this and watch it back later in slow motion. So anyway, uh, but now let's not talk about the, the crow because that. But again, another movie from this. So think about that too. The crow, which was at the I time, very, yeah, they say it's later, right? But it's another of those movies. There were these movies that had a life. You know, a limited life that was, and The Crow was not that it was, not, and again, it's a very different movie, but its life on VHS at oh, the yes. video store became yeah. way bigger. The Crow exploded to the point where by the time I was in college, like I'm talking 96, you know, they have the poster. I don't know if you guys had it. All but you used I to have the poster. Right? Well, no, giant posters, like the size of your entire wall poster sales and stuff. And one of my friends, uh, Jesse, she had a, a it's 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 uh, um, Brandon Lee sitting in in the chair, right? You know, like he's sitting yes. at, the, at the table. That was the size of the wall. It was like it had to be five feet tall by like seven feet. It's like the whole fucking wall was covered in this thing. I go, this is insane. She goes, yeah. It took her, her sister, and two of friends to get it all hung up, right? But it's like one of those movies that became so much more once it was out of the theaters. And and Warlock is probably one of the better examples of this. A lot of people saw this, and I don't necessarily mean they had to go rent it, but they saw it on HBO, they saw or Showtime, whatever existed back then, right? HBO existed, right? Kind of thing. Or this was one of those things when you were like on a Friday night, you're like, I haven't seen this horror movie. Let's give it a whirl, you know, kind of thing. It could, looks like it could be interesting, but it's 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 funny to think. Sorry, that there are that that was kind of I don't want to say a model, but it was. And Trimark actually was uh, born out of New World uh, New World Video. Yep, it's right. uh, you know, kind of thing. And that was the Corman model. Like you'd make something, you put it out, okay, but it have a second life on 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 uh, VHS and then later on DVD and then on cable yep. and stuff. Like to the point where you eventually got. Um, the new, the remakes of the Roger Corman's. So you had the remake of Piranha. You had the remake. I don't mean the current. I don't mean the one made in the 2000s. The 90s remake of Piranha. The 90s remake of Humanoids from the Deep. Because uh, those were made. I want to say. I want to say they were made for cable. Um, they might have been Showtime. I know the Woody calls were made for, uh, like like uh, the She Creature and. Um, I was a teenage. Um, yeah, how to make a monster, I, teenage caveman. Those yeah. were made specifically for cable. I know those were made for cable, but I, I'm, I'm trying. I think the remake of the uh, the Piranha remake, which is not good, and then the Humanoids from the Deep remake, quote unquote, those were I think made designed to go to VHS. Yeah, those, those, those went, yeah, those went to cable directly and then to VHS. Yeah. But, but it, yeah, it's I mean, so crazy. That, well, yeah, well, I mean that, but that that was yeah. The model did work. I mean, if you you look through, what's funny is you look through Trimark's the the movies that they distributed. Okay, yeah. and I guarantee you that you know uh, you have seen these movies on VHS and then on DVD because right around the time that they got started, DVD didn't come that long after that. So a lot of their movies were ported directly to DVD. I have the Vidmark. 
DVD of Warlock. It is the exact same transfer as it is on a VHS. It looks terrible, but I love it because it looks like the VHS would, right? <laughs> I mean, you can get a better version. But, you know, the, the, the first movie they distributed, Going Overboard, I guarantee you this, that, uh, that terrible Adam Sandler movie, you have seen this on a, a video store or a DVD shop's uh, shelf because that movie was friggin' everywhere when yep. they put it out. I mean, you know, some of these other ones, you know, Frankenstein Unbound, okay, Leprechaun, the, the Dead Alive. They did the U.S. distribution for Dead Alive, okay, Return of the Living Dead 3, okay, Death Wish 5, a personal favorite of mine, you know, where it's like, I'm way too old for this, you know, but, uh, <laughs> hey, I, hey, Freddy, I took, care of the, I took care of that dangerous problem for you, you know, but uh, that's the one where he walks away at the end and doesn't even say his, his final line to the camera. It's like, call me if you need me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll always need you. Oh, I can't get up. <laughs> I really <laughs> like on The Simpsons where it's like, Death Wish 6, when he's in, he's in a hospital. Oh, I wish I was dead. <laughs> Star Trek 12, so very the tired. Re the remake of Piranha uh, is 1995. Uh, and then he only got humorous from the deep shark. Uh, but yeah. so that's, that's 1995. And humanoids, human, I could spell humanoids from the deep. It's, it's 96, and that's Emma Simpsons in that, right. and the other one is um, uh, William Cat, you know, you know, the guy from the House, uh, and it's also Mila Kunis's uh, film. But but, the, I mean, uh, but, he, but all but as all, like I said, there's just a lot of them that I guarantee you, you if you were if you're my age or around my age and you were in and around movies at this time, you remember these movies even if you never saw them. Like I'm again, I'm just I'm just scrolling through like Love in a 45, The Doom Generation, The Dentist, Meet Wally Sparks, yeah. uh, Chairman of the Board, Christ Almighty, yeah. the remake of Carnival of Souls. Um, you know, I'm trying to let's see, Better Than Chocolate. I remember that one. Um, you know, so that all the Leprechaun sequels, Thunder in Paradise, yeah, you know, can't beat that. But uh, yeah, so they they did a lot of this stuff, and that's why they were the type of company that Lionsgate eventually acquired because Lionsgate, that's how they became the major player they are. They just they bought up a lot of these smaller, you know, production and distribution houses. And and took you know just said okay well we'll you know just took them in and took them in and took them in and that's how they built up their library. I remember Dad saying this to me and you and I, Jay. I forget what the hell movie it was, but it was like a major like mainstream movie, and it had the Lionsgate tag at the beginning of it. And he's like, remember when we only saw Lionsgate in front of like crappy horror movies? <laughs> and I, <laughs> now you're seeing them in like major. Films. Oh, it's I know exactly what you're talking about because it definitely was. Because Lionsgate started producing, um, uh, they they put out the Saw movies, didn't they originally? Yeah, uh, they I did, want to say but that. They, yeah, but they, they did but some stuff before that. But it was something like it was. It wasn't. It wasn't like. Okay, I know it wasn't Pitch Black, but it was in the vein of like Pitch Black. It was like a like a, an actual real movie, you know, kind of thing. Picture, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was, and it wasn't one of those like, oh, okay. But it was like I'm trying to remember. Well, Lionsgate. Um, well, no, did, did, uh, did, uh, I don't think Lionsgate put out the sauce. That's twisted pictures. I think uh, if I'm trying but to remember what they, they might've, the problem was Lionsgate got Lionsgate. So, um, if you all remember back talking about the nightmare and Elm street movies, we talked about, um, 
you know, New Line Cinema basically banked everything they owned on, you know, Friday, on, on Nightmare on Elm Street, right, kind of thing. Like, it was everything they owned was on that one movie. It was a huge hit. New Line became a major player. New Line, New Line became what was known as a mid-major. Uh, there is probably no bigger description of uh, a mid-major. If, if, you're, if you're not talking about, like, New Line Cinema, it's Lionsgate. They were not Paramount, MGM, Universal, right? But they were enough where they were producing... You name it. And they tried to get their hands on everything they could. Um, I, I want to say they were, they put out, um, well, they put out Repo. I know that because I've seen that trailer a million times. But they, I want to, did they put out House Thousand Corpses finally? Was that who finally got House Thousand Corpses released? Because they bought it all back and bought it all back. Because Rob Zombie, every time the movie was delayed, he bought parts of it back and the movie became worthless. And then, was it Lionsgate? He eventually went yes, with. I'm trying they to were eventually uh, zombie reacquired the rights, and they were eventually sold to Lionsgate, who released the film in 2003. Right, and that was something we. But, but Lionsgate, I mean, they produced. Uh, they did okay. So the Hunger Games is Lionsgate. I know it's much later, but they did yeah. the Hunger. Games. Those were huge, but they also produced Rambo. They produced at least one of the saws, if not most multiple saws, uh, saws saw movies. Um, but that's the thing is they were, they were, went from this little tiny company to this mid, you know, this mid major to being one of the major players putting out, uh, all kinds of movies to the uh, point I'm, where they still, yeah. you know, so. I'm, I'm sorry. You mentioned the hunger game. So I am required to say this is mahogany. So. <laughs> I, I mean, don't, yeah, don't they, but, didn't they put out the John Wick movies? I'm going. I mean, I mean Lionsgate now. I mean, they're they're a they're a major player now. So there, there's a lot of mainstream stuff they put out. But cool. I'm just saying, it, it's all of that. It, it was just funny. Again, we, we've talked about this plenty of times. How much you know, genre film can be profitable, right? And so it makes this the the production and distribution houses that work a lot in those lower level, those lower budget genre films that turn tidy profits become attractive and when you've got an outfit like Lionsgate where again and, I, and I'm not claiming to be a Lionsgate expert or anything like that but just from reading about it, that this was a firm that what they wanted to do was they wanted to be a major player and the way that they were going to do this was mergers and acquisitions and that was the method that they did it and they accelerated that by picking up you know, movies that were not necessarily a pictures, but were profitable. And by having a big library that they can say, okay, well, we're we're going to keep distributing all these. We're going to pick up these these films that have got that a lot of word of mouth and buzz in the early days of the internet that maybe a maybe a big studio won't touch, right? And that's where you get a lot of horror films and a lot of genre films because that was just like it is now. Genre films generate a lot more chatter among you know smaller groups that don't get necessarily the big hype machine right but they generate strong word of mouth and they have loyalty brand loyalty so that mm -hmm. that was the whole th and, and so to me that that was how trimark ended up because trimark again i think a trimark and like artisan and yep. uh what is it imagine there's a not imagine there's, there was another one around there that all kind of released movies around that same time yeah, and yeah. it's like yeah, so it's all of that that they a lot of them all ended up being purchased out by, by Lionsgate. That 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 made me smile because it's like yeah, Summit Summit. That was the other one I was thinking of that used to do that kind of stuff. Uh, so it's like a lot of those different things.
that they all ended up with there. It's like, okay, that's good. They, that's, that, that was a, it wasn't just that they went bankrupt and closed up shop. All right. They, they ended up with uh, inside of a, uh, an outfit that, that made sense for them. So, but in any event, the, the thing about, about Warlock, like I said, talk about a brand loyalty. They, they try again, it was tried to make this into a franchise or the two sequels. The, the Armageddon is worth watching. I don't recommend um, I think it's the end of innocence is the third one doesn't have Julian Sands in it and as cheap as this movie is and this movie's pretty damn cheap okay they do film outside at least <laughs> okay uh, the third warlock is one of those movies where it's like we got this house and it is perfect I don't know why Triple H is producing this film but it, it's Triple H okay and we're gonna shoot every scene inside this house you know, so that they never have to pay for any other sets or, you know, lighting or anything else. They, they set it up, light, and get away. So uh, I don't I don't recommend Warlock 3. I mean, it, it's, it's, it might be worth for, for a laugh, but, you know, it, it does, it's not up to the quality of, of this one, certainly. So real quick, just to, to throw it back to what you were saying, um, part of Lionsgate, they, when they started uh, acquiring, they hooked up with, because um, uh, they owned uh, Mandalay Television, uh, well, they didn't own it, but they was they acquired Mandalay Television, and that's Peter Goober, uh, who was had a four percent stake in Lionsgate. In '98, they actually formed Mandalay Pictures, which a lot of people have seen at movie theaters, you know, kind of thing. Um, one of the uh, big things, one of the Lionsgate, one of their big successes was Sleepy Hollow. Um, they they were the producers behind that distributed Sleepy Hollow, which has gone on. I mean, again, I know people have you know Johnny Depp and Christina reaching whatever. I mean, the movie became much bigger than it was. I mean, they had Tim Burton on for crying out loud to do these kind of things. It's they were getting that's when they started getting much much bigger. Um, but it's it's it, as Luke was saying, you think about it uh, when you when you see Warlock and then see even this even Armageddon the sequel. You're like, okay, like these are the kind of things that would fill the shelves, not only your mom and pop little thing, but let's be honest, there were, you know, several dozen copies at Blockbuster. And they were then in the used bin after they, you know, they had had their run. They would sell off the copies for $3.99 or $4.99 or sometimes three for not three, what, three for $9.99, right? It was always the big deal. Or Blockbuster. I mean, we would go go in there, and I'm like, I don't remember renting movies at Blockbuster very often. I remember renting Dog Soldiers for the day it came out because we couldn't get it otherwise. It was still shipping, so we went and rented it to watch it, and that paid off. Um, what I'm saying is, like, I don't remember renting a lot of movies at Blockbuster. I remember purchasing a lot of movies at Blockbuster. Yes. Uh, yep. so especially like any three previously, any three previously owned under nine dollars anything was under 9.99 it was three for 9.99 like, like they couldn't get them out fast enough because they wanted to make <laughs> shelf space but that is how luke and i at the time grew our um our vhs collection quickly you know um because yeah. at the time you know luke i mean luke still is a big vhs uh you know uh, uh you know a supporter um but that is how we started growing our VHS collection quickly. Even movies we were kind of on the fringe about, like, I don't know if there's going to be any good or not. Eh, it's costing me $3.33. It's cheaper than renting. Yeah, right. right. And then eventually Blockbuster went to the, when DVDs became out, and it was much it was much cheaper for them to buy more DVDs. They would have more copies, which meant way more copies. I mean, we would go pour through there. I mean, Kelly hated doing 
But I, we would go through, I mean, just, I would go through every used DVD they had to come up with packages of, you know, let's get three of these things for nine bucks, you know? And that's how we built a lot of our horror collection without going broke, you know, because remember when movies came out, uh, sometimes they weren't, they, they, they weren't released. It's not like nowadays where every Tuesday, you know, a new movie is coming out. Like, it's not like, I know, like, you know, like whatever, whatever new movies coming out, like the black phone. Right. That was just in the theaters a little while ago. Right. That would, that came out on a Tuesday. Yeah. There's like, you know, dozens of copies at Walmart and target and everywhere you can get them back in the day. Movies would come out and you didn't get them all the time uh, available to you to buy. They would cause, because there was the blackout and this is, I don't know if we've ever talked about this. So movies, there was a deal with studios would make and they would have, they would call the rental blackout period. And that's like when Predator came out, it was $100 to buy. And you're like, I'm not spending a fucking $100 on Predator. That's crazy for a VHS because it was during the rental blackout period. And then what happened was a lot of things didn't start putting movies out. I mean, that's why having having a huge VHS collection when you were younger, I mean, people would come to our house and be blown away. How do you have so many movies? We're like, well, we have we have movies. You know, don't don't question things. What do you want to watch? You know, kind of thing like we, you know. But that's the that's the great part about it. Like that idea of collecting and having a a video library at your fingertips. Well, I know that's not exciting to some people. Literally, is, I mean, I can't say this for every horror fan, but most horror fans like having a well stocked library of you know horror movies. Would you guys think yeah. my, my no, I think I think that's a fair assessment because part of horror, even more because I would say genre fans in general, but amongst yeah. even genre fans, horror is uh, I think a little bit more uh, obsessive over this. It's the ephemera, right? Yeah. And we've we've talked. About, I know we've talked about this. You know, there there's there no you don't get excited necessarily about seeing a little thumbnail on a streaming service, but the ephemera of that VHS box or that DVD case or that that fancy one from Shout Factory with a slipcase and reversible cover on the Blu-ray, uh, on and the little book inside, all that ephemera that you like that, right? That there's there's a tactility to it. Horror is the most tactile of all genres anyway. Right. So you already like having something to hold in your hand. But then there's also the issue of horror again, more so than other, except maybe imports like guy like um, like Kung Fu or um, like Asian <laughs> fantasy or, or monsters where availability. Right. Yeah. Where yeah. it's like, Anime. I really, I really want to see, you know, this movie that was only available on VHS in Canada. I guess I'm going to get that Canadian VHS and watch it. And it's like maybe someday. You know, they'll put it out on DVD or it'll be on a streaming service. But until then, I got it and I can watch it anytime I want to watch it, you know. So it's like, you know, Canadian Tux, you know, Canadian Tuxedo Destroyer, you know, is on VHS and nowhere else. And you've got it right. So that right. there is that aspect to it. It's like, you know, if you're if you're a fan of Fast and the Furious, there's a pretty good chance if you don't have your disc, you can find it streaming somewhere on some service. Right. Canadian Tuxedo Destroyer may be a little bit harder to pull off. So <laughs> Like, so there's literally some movie, like, just going garage selling in the last three weeks, and there's people selling DVDs like crazy. You know, there's just people with selling their DVD collections. And there's certain movies, if you, you never have to worry about not going out and finding that movie for a dollar. 
I think right. uh, in the last three weeks, we've like we've just been like, oh, look, here's another, you know, here's another three DVD set of the um, Family Guy Star Wars trilogy, you know. Right. Right. And and uh, and I, I I think a lot of the like collecting thing, I, I think that's for older people, because I think a lot of the the. The, are you saying that we're older people? We might be older people, guys. I don't. I don't know how to break it to you. But like when, like now, you have streaming service. You you just have a sort of uh, instant availability. So you almost have this like virtual library that you have access to. And there's big issues with that too. But like, if you didn't grow up with that that thing where you had to have your own library, or else you were probably not going to cease. You know, if you wanted to watch something, you had to own it, you know, yeah. or or catch it on TV or something like that. But, you know, if you wanted to if you wanted to watch that particular movie, you had to have it. So and then in you the had, process of have, doing that, you, you start a friend who had HBO and, and a double uh, VHS deck. So that they can and, make you and, and for those people who grew up with that now now the way like a dvd is smaller than a, it's like it's like heaven for the people who grew up having to collect stuff because you can make a it's you know a dvd is just so much easier to print off than to make a, a vhs which you have to like tape the whole thing you know yeah even though you're doing it at a faster speed dub and stuff like that so you can attach more ephemera to it so you can actually like yeah now now you now if now when you're collecting stuff you know you don't have to have that collection but that ephemera is just like it's just like slathering gravy right over top of all that for for the collector brain it's just like ooh, oh look how this folds out you know it's, it's, <laughs> that's what she said so uh <laughs> so some of that though if, if for those of you i mean i don't i don't know how many people actually ever Attended horror conventions and stuff like that, but in the Northeast, Chiller was like the horror convention to go to, and it's it's pretty much just an autograph show now. But Chiller used to be freaking like you look forward to Chiller, and especially the, the there was the Spring Chiller, which was always for a lot of it was good and it was it was a good show. But you look forward to the Halloween one, especially if God forbid it fell on Halloween. What a freaking you know crazy day that my wife had never experienced that, and now she's like oh, I've seen everything now. I'm like, yeah. but when we would go. <laughs> There were guys who, like I, I, there were guys I was who I'd only ever met at Chiller. I only knew their first name and had an email address for them. And I would go to their tables, and all they sold was gray market DVD, not not the first run movies, not whatever. I mean, there was a guy who had a copy of Saw the day after it came out that we grabbed because uh, he's like, I only have one copy. I'm like, all right, you know. And at the time, you were paying ten bucks a head. 20 bucks? Sure. Dad and I rented it. I mean, some guy gets up and walks through the screen at one point, but like at least you got to see Saw without going to the theater. But that's where you got movies that, at the time, you thought you'd never get. Like, I literally still have a copy, and I don't know where someone got it from, of Ricky Six. Ricky Six will never come out. Ever. It'll never be released. It's just not. And I have it. And I've talked about it being a lost movie with John LeMay. And he's like, I've never even heard of it. And then I have to remember that John LeMay is much younger than I am. Um, so he would, so it wouldn't have been the right age at that time in the 90s. When, and I've watched it. I've watched it with my buddy John. And we're like, it's fine. It's nothing spectacular. But that movie was considered to be lost. like the lost 
movie. It still is lost. All the boys love Mandy Lane was fucking lost for years. How can a movie that literally was supposed to be a mainstream movie was lost? It's now available because enough people were making money off of bootlegging it that finally someone had the right to let's just put it out. It's hard yeah. to get. Like hard to get on like on like a US release and it's nothing spectacular, right? But and but at the time, but the 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 aura and the and the mystique around a movie that was like, oh, what is this? Like I need to see this. I like I literally saw Shaun of the Dead way before anyone else did. The Descent, um trying to think of the other ones. It's all like, oh, like high rise I mean, movies that have still never come out in America. I own and have seen because they're out in England, they're out in Germany, they're out in whatever, and that and, and they, these guys would have all region players take it in and they would make great copies and you would buy them, right? And that was to build your collection. And when you had your horror collection, like when my buddy like Luke knows this, when John would come over, we'd be like, what are we watching tonight, guys? And if Luke and I, when we were first buying VHSs, we were buying those, remember those, like you still have them, those clamshells, of the Argento, yeah, from Anchor Bay. Yeah, we would go. We would go to the store. We would like say, "Okay, we're only going to buy one. Which one are we going to buy?" Like we already have Zombie. We already, you know, we we're we going to get Profondo Rosa. Are we going to get uh, Suspiria? Like, I mean, and we had to wait for shit to come in because it was like not you couldn't order it. There was no Amazon yet, and eBay was a hit and a miss. You didn't know what you were going to get from people, and it was about building that library. And when you look at building that library. Places like Tri, like Trimark and New World, and I mean New Line in the beginning, uh, but then became a mid-major and Lionsgate and like movies like Warlock and Armageddon and in the Prophecy and all the, all those things were movies that you would go to the the video store and be able to watch. And yeah, they were on HBO and we had HBO and Showtime when we were younger. Um, apparently, because and cable back then was very different than cable is now. But we caught all kinds of movies. It was not unheard of for Luke and I to most likely set up a tape just in case we fell asleep to stay up to like three in the morning to watch something. Like, I, okay, I wish I was joking, but Luke, Luke will, as soon as I start saying, he'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Our dad said to us, he goes, hey, the other night I saw a really fucked up movie. And I'm like, okay, what is it? He goes, it's called Jack Frost. And I go, the one with Michael Keaton, I heard it sucked. He goes, no, no, this is about a, uh, a serial killer who's a snowman. God damn, if Luke and I aren't paging through the monthly, this is how it is. There's no internet. We're going through We've the all done stuff like this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And we're trying to find when Jack Frost is on and we set up a tape to tape it. And yet we stay up to watch it. To make sure, just in case the tape fucks up, you see this. Because it's only the time that month. And for those of you who have seen Jack Frost, you're like, wow, you feel like you wasted your time. But as a horror, as a horror fan, and again, I, I know we, 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 we come on here, we talk about, you know, some movies are really good, some movies are kind of bad, so whatever kind of thing. But, but this is what it is. Being a horror fan is watching the good. If you only watched good horror movies, Right then, like I don't know if that's even a, a thing. Can you only watch good horror movies? Like at some point, you have to watch someone. Someone would say to you that movie's amazing, and there'd be all these fake reviews online, and you're like, "Oh, I'm going to sit down and watch Hereditary." Fuck, I hate that stuff. Right? <laughs> yeah, you know, because if you sat down and watched it and said that's a good horror movie, 
you're, you're, you're fucking wrong. It's Sakai. But you know what I'm saying is, it's that idea that, like, you can sit down and watch it. I'll be honest, I haven't seen Warlock all the way through probably since the 90s. I'm willing to bet it was on the University of Albany cable. So we had three channels that would show movies on a rotation during the week, and then they would change them out the next week. Warlock was one of those movies that would show. I probably wasn't since 96 or 97 have I seen this movie, right, all the way through. And I said to Luke, man, I'm kind of misremembering this with Armageddon because because Julian Sands is in both. It's not that far apart, whatever, right? But it's, so you put this on, and even if you're like, oh, that special effect sucks, that's what, okay, it's still, it's still intelligent enough that it's not, I mean, it's, it's, it's taking things from other films, true, but they're not all just horror tropes. If it was all just horror tropes, this would be boring. It's not boring. It's a fun time. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. not even getting into, excuse me, it's not even getting into the idea that, like, if you watch this, and like a couple, like let's say on a Friday night, you rented a, you know, you went to Blockbuster and you grabbed Warlock and whatever else. And like, you know, I, I'm, I'm not saying like Ghoulies and stuff like that, but like, you know, you rented a couple of those current, like the mid 90s movies and you just had, you know, a bunch of people like, you know, eating popcorn and watching a movie. You'd have a good time. You wouldn't be like, going, oh, this is so boring. When is this over? You know, so anyway, I'll get off my soapbox now. Okay. Do you know you you know you can use to make soap? The fat of an unbaptized child. The fat, the fat of, of a little Anakin Skywalker. You can <laughs> make yep. yeah. Here's and the I, difference I, I between, wanna, here's, here's here's between the kid and this in Anakin Skywalker. At no point as much as I have problems with the prequels that I want that version of Anakin Skywalker dead. I oh, just yeah. wanted him to, I wanted this kid to say, Are you an angel? Oh god. <laughs> Angels can take many forms, young man. You know, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded no, really that's what you need, No, an angel, that, that'd be the prophecy, right? Then you need yeah, Christopher right. Walken. Okay. Yeah, yeah. An angel can be defined in many different ways, young man. But the prophecy, okay, so in the prophecy, this is one of the things, obviously, um, for those of you who have never seen the prophecy, spoiler alert, uh, the devil... Yeah, if you've never seen it, what the fuck? But spoiler alert, uh, the devil in that movie is Viggo Mortensen. He has he has my favorite line of all time. Like, I just, like, love this line. She goes, Jesus Christ. He goes, I don't love you. And it's just, like, such a throwaway line. And I'm like, oh, sick burn. You need some aloe for that burn, bitch. You know, kind of thing. Like, it's just like. That's what the but devil does, man. Yeah, what I'm saying is, like, the, the, these movies, the, the movies like Warlock and stuff like that, that came out in this time, that kind of paved the way for those other movies to get made because oh, yeah. these things were profitable on home video, you know? So well, I mean, and, that, that was, that's, that's always been the impetus for this series, right? Is that a lot of these movies had short, these, these horror wreck hanger-ons, had mm -hmm. short theatrical lives, if, if theatrical lives at all. Some of the right. ones we've talked about. It was but probably they, easier to make money with them on, on video, to, uh, honestly. And plus, they also have a small enough budget that it's just, like, yep, yeah. easy to make and, a profit on. And, and, you know, and again, I'm not, not to cover the same ground, but horror was a reliable source of income for <laughs> mom-and-pop video store owners. And so when, when Charles Band was at the trade show and said, hey, we've got another... Uh, you know, we've got another puppet master. We've got another trancers. We've got another subspecies. So like, well, we sold a lot of copies. We rented a lot of copies of those movies. Yeah, we'll get another one. 
yep. we'll get another one and then and then and you pre-sell it. So like it's not made yet, but it's gonna be out by third quarter. And yeah. then you pre-order and then they 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 were able to make the everybody made money on that. And that's you know, again, and, and I don't I don't wanna, you know, I don't want to talk about the same top points, but you know, horror made money because yeah. of exactly like you said, Chris, it had a low budget, it had uh decent sell through, had loyal audience. And Warlock is no different. The, the difference to me about Warlock in that sense is that it's not like a slasher film. It is, to me, it's very unique in its approach. I love the use of all the different, um, both witchcraft and witch hunting in it. To me, that makes it yeah. very unique amongst that, especially amongst that era. You know, well, there's you're going to gonna... go ahead. Like it starts out during the witch trial era. And we're used to now the trope is now. Usually you're going to end up with somebody who maybe like was a good witch and got burned at the stake and maybe comes back in modern times to wreak their revenge on the people that burned them at the stake and stuff. But this one just goes with the whole like, oh, no, those witch trials were real. Those were yeah. <laughs> those are real witches that make the milk, the, wa- the milk go sour and your cigarette light funny, you know, so <laughs> That's, that's, you you don't see that in movies very often. They don't run with run with the whole like you know witches, Satan. You know they're actually bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just just real quick, that what you just described, Chris, the idea that it was like he was good and he was persecuted and whatever kind of thing they made the revenge leader. That was the original plot for this movie. Yeah, yeah, for some reason he thought that 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 he was. I like was reading about that, and he was like, "Yeah, it was too expensive to film it that way. Basically, (laughs) we couldn't couldn't afford to film it that way, so we did it this way." Was there was was a good mood? Good mood. Said that he just was too. It was after he was. It was. uh, um, They said he had read it, and he goes, "It kind of sat for a week, and I came back to him, read it again, and I felt like, eh." I feel like this is done and done before. I think we can change this up. Oh my God. Like really? Because now in Hollywood, like, wait, 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 wait. Has this been done before? Yes. Good. Let's go with that. Because the original thought is stamped out because we don't want original thought or like, you know, anything. So, I mean, in reality, the the Salem witch trials were kind of a tragedy and uh, all that. So it just sort of reflects in the, in this, and this one just throws that right out the window and it's refreshing. You know, we care not for the trials themselves. Yeah. I'm not going there for a history lesson or for realism. I'm going there for like, you know, you know, and when you have, when, when you have like the bad guy be like the potential the wannabe son of Satan, it, it gives him a little heft, do you know? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, yes, the witch trials were bad. However, had there been actual warlocks, we would have right. all been in favor of the witch trials and Indeed. the witch hunters. I'm just right. putting that right. out there. Right. <laughs> yeah. We would <laughs> as, all be as, carrying as, salt today. As as we all know, context is king. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you'll, you'll laugh, but, uh, you know, my, T and I, we actually did make a double feature many years ago of this movie and Hocus Pocus, which oh. are, they are, they are very, very similar movies in a lot of ways. Yeah. I've always said that about Hocus Pocus is that if you take that and you, you can write that story, not as a comedy, yep. right? It's, it's very much in line with this, right? A virgin lights a candle. The witches come back to terrorize the city 300 years later. It's like, okay, it's, there's some, there's some echoes, you know, George Lucas would say it rhymes, right? What, so whatever, whatever well, you're, Whatever year Hocus Pocus came out, go look up on YouTube the Siskel and Ebert worst movies of that year because Hocus Pocus is one of them. But every single... I watched it the other day and every single movie they did 
in that year that was in their worst list, I was like, that wasn't, I kind of liked that movie. Or, yeah. or it was a, like Hocus Pocus, which was like panned and kind of flopped. Or I, I think Hocus Pocus is actually pretty good. But okay, like, so it was panned, but in the in the intervening years, it's gotten a following, you know, where oh, yeah. people are like, it's a really good movie, it's or it's a, a fun movie. The so, this, this is the crazy part about this. I had seen Hocus Pocus once, a long time ago, whatever, never thought anything of it. Kelly loves that movie. So we watched it again, and Haley loves it. And I was like, watching it again now, kind of like later, it, like removed from it kind of thing going... It's, I mean, like, I'm like, I mean, it's not my favorite. Watching you know. it with people who love it is also helps, but, yeah. you know, it's it's fun, you know, to do that. It's a movie we watch. I go, this is fun. I'm looking forward to the sequel. Like, but I, I, it reminds me a lot, and, and, and Luke will know this, too. Nightmare Before Christmas was yes. not a hit when it came out. The oh. music... The the Elfman score yeah. was was dynamite. Danny Elfman One was of only three movies I fell asleep in the theater watching. I, but I'm saying, but Nightmare Before Christmas, when you watch it the first time, if you're not buying in, it's boring. That's a problem. And it's only it, like seventy five minutes, which is amazing. Right. But then when you now when you watch it, it's so celebrated. It's so di at when you're at Disney in in like even like. The end of the summer, they're already Jack Skellington is everywhere. Like they are pushing yeah. the shit out of this, and I'm like, man, this movie was panned by by critics, by everything. When you watch the making of it, it almost didn't happen, and yet yeah. you look at it now, and it's like this movie's revolutionary. This is this. And you're like, okay, like I understand that movies can have a second life. I get it. I do. Right, but some of the most beloved films were not. They were not beloved when oh, yeah. they started. Wizard of Oz is like that, you know, and and, and, and I mean, uh, it's, like, it's a wonderful life is another one yeah, that was, yeah. I mean, it's a wonderful life. Basically, I mean, almost ended Frank Capra's career. It was yeah. such a disaster, and and it's it's now again just repeated viewings, and some people find the message and find the quality that maybe at the time the audience wasn't ready for or and into. I mean, in the case of Hocus Pocus. I mean, I, I don't want to get I don't want to get too far afield here, but a lot of it has to do with the uh, you know the, um, the the LGBT crew that now really identify and love that movie because of the camp aspects Super, of it, and that yeah, was one of the reasons the that it's celebrated. Camp. Yeah, yeah, and it's like I can and watching it, I'll be I'll be honest with you, I had never seen Hocus Pocus because good old Marshall Fine, writing for the Gannett Suburban gave it a very scathing review and i just said i'm not gonna watch this and i never watched it i didn't watch it until i until we t and i were in college and she had it and she's like oh i love this movie like, really she's only watched it. i said okay yeah i can see why that way a critic in the 90s would have bashed it but i also see you know i don't i don't want to sound like kevin smith but it's not for you right it's not for you mr critic but now watching i can see exactly why the camp aspect would appeal to that market and it's like oh man so when they lean into that, it's like, well, of course you would lean into that. You, do, you, do you not like money? Of course you're going to lean into that. You know? So if it's you like, think again. It, sorry, just, just real quick. Yeah, if you yeah. think about it, right now, if you said to any, like, film person, you know, Carpenter's The Thing was hated. How? How could that be hated? Because that movie now has attained, forget the horror, because oh, it's, it's one of the biggest horror it's that literally movie, in the top five of horror movies now right. in most people's lists. But, but even it's studied in film classes. 
Yeah. Like they study it about the idea of like the, like the idea of the, um, using, using sound to, to, uh, cause it's all about isolation and sound and how all that has that works together. It's, it's like the tracking shot at the beginning of Halloween. It's like no. all those things it's, that like were just John Carpenter has finally reached John Ford status. Exactly. He's accepted, you know, where he has reached. He, he's not like a, he's, he's a genre master and like considered you know he invented all this stuff and he like you know he's 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 gotten his he's finally gotten his due instead of being just like he's really good for a he does he does really good for a horror director you know or right. whatever so, people are finally caught up to like you know the his craftsmanship as a filmmaker so yeah so, so if you think of but if you said that now, people wouldn't believe you. Right. But in 1982, no one, I mean, I understand it's hard to compete with E.T. I remember watching Cisco and Ebert spit on that movie, you yeah. know, when it came out. Just like, I, you know, John Carpenter was a very promising director. And this is just, it's just, you know, it's just blood and it's just mean spirited Gene. And, and, and it made me hate humanity. And I, yeah. I hear you, you know, just. They just, just were like, this is trash. Basically, it's just exploitative trash. And what, and what happened it's was not at all. You know, no. it's like how could they not see it at the time? And they were, but it was the the gore and the effects were so disturbing for the time that they couldn't even That's... get past that. You know, right after seeing the movie, maybe twenty years later, I, I'd like to see if Roger Ebert ever said anything different about it twenty, you know, twenty years down the line or whatever, but Yeah, no, that movie was just like people were just like, This is an a this is an abomination. It made me want to all the reviews made me want to see it because I was just like, Holy shit, this sounds intense. <laughs> the the whole idea though being is that that movie became what it is by word of mouth and then eventually because it was mom and pop videos, there was no Blockbuster wasn't around. There was mom and pop video stores. I mean, Luke knows the video. Our video store before it became a video store was run out of the freaking Amico gas station for Christ's sake, right? Yep. And it was one of those things that when you saw it, you were like, "Oh my god, I've never seen anything like this." And let's be very honest, uh, uh, Rob Bottin killed it on that movie on the effects. The, the effects yeah. in the movie. If the effects sucked, that movie would not be nearly as loved as it is. Whatever you it can say, it might have gotten better reviews. Ironically. Actually, well, but, if, but if but if the effects were cheesy, I don't mean I don't mean just poorly. I mean, but they were more cheesy. People would be like, Ugh, okay, like there might be something here. But the thing is, because the effects to this day still stand up, that allows the movie to be remembered in a better way. But again, it was all about it building its success on VHS, and we know, we all know that literally the slasher movie. The, you know that 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 hot like I mean let's I understand Psycho and stuff but let's be honest like Halloween kind of started setting that in motion and the reality is and, and I and I and I know I catch shit for this all the time Friday the Thirteenth pretty much said look we're gonna trim down all that really good stuff that Carpenter was doing we're gonna streamline that down and get this to what can make money and as much as the Nightmare on Elm Street movies might be better films. And Halloween itself is is much better than obviously what it's, it's the rest Almost of the movies. Almost anything the that came after it, yeah. I think, but the Friday the Thirteenth movies, 
um, which Dad and I have been watching, and Dad's never seen them. And that's why, that's why I love this, because he's watching it, and he, he's like, holy cow, I never realized that this literally makes the template. That was just how you made money. But by 1989, I mean, you still had your Friday sequels, but they just weren't doing the same. So you needed a movie that thought a little more. It wasn't just the next whatever. I mean, let's be honest. Hellraiser is what, 87, right? Kind of thing, 87, 88, 87, right? Hellraiser set people's on the like, holy shit, what the hell is this? Because it was not the same thing. But you couldn't go that way at the time because Hellraiser couldn't be played in theaters. I mean, I remember Hellraiser being banned because it was it was not be able to. So then when you hit to movies, when you have a smaller company trying to put out a movie like Warlock, they understand that look, we've got to rein in some of this stuff, especially if it doesn't look good. Now, that's part of the problem. When you watch Hellraiser and then Hellraiser 2 Hellbound, which good lord stepped up the blood and gore. I mean, they're skinning people alive in the thing, right? Right? That movie still, when you watch it today, holds up. Not every single effect is perfect because it kind of shows at times you can see a little bit of the rubber, so we, we so to say. But when you watch it, it's still it's still disturbing. It's still gross. I mean, my daughter watches everything. She's never seen a Hellraiser movie. She knows who Pinhead is. I shouldn't say, And she knows what Cenobites are because she's seen little bits and pieces of like Hell on Earth, the third one, which when, when they're in the street and CDs throwing the CDs and killing them. Oh, sorry. There's the, it's a, it's one of the sequels. Spoiler alert for those of you who haven't fucking seen it. Um, but like the idea, like I, she can't sit and watch. It's still too much for her. But like a movie like Warlock, I mean, she wasn't home when I was watching it, but she could have sat and watched this with me. There was yeah. nothing here that was so egregious that she would not be able to handle it. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, there's, I mean, the majority, the majority of movies, the vast majority of movies that I watch for this show. My wife has no interest in, but she, I, I said, as soon as Warlock was on the, the calendar, I said, Hey, do you want to watch Warlock? She said, sure. She'll, she has watched Warlock with me several times. And it's part of that is the subject, but part of it is that it's not, it's yeah. not the same type of slasher type movie. It's no, not trying no, it's, to it's, be it's, gruesome. it's and, more and, and, trying and, to be entertaining than it is to be like, you yeah. know, brain boilingly scary. You know, it's, it's scary. And it's, it, and it, yeah, and it works really well. I think that again, we talk about ripping off the Terminator. Well, the Terminator is a movie that played to a broad audience, and you know, and it's like so that that idea of the the time displacement and all that, and you know, the fish out of water and all that, it it appeals to a, to a, a wide audience. And I think that's I think that's one of the reasons it 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 has played so well is that it does appeal to not just a, a hardline staunch we might say horror audience. It, it does have a bit of a broader appeal. And, you know, to the fact that, I mean, this again, by the time they got him up with the second one, I mean, yeah. they were advertising it all over. They made a video yeah. game out of it yeah. by Acclaim, which is not a bad game. It's typical for those Acclaim movie tie-ins from around that time, kind of like uh, Judge Dredd and uh, some of the other ones, like Robocop 3, some of the other ones they did. <laughs> but, um, you know, and that and that and that's one of the things I think it, it's, it's still held up because, first off, you know, again, Sands is just so good as the Warlock. He, he really, he really does a great job with it. And you, you just, you like him and you hate him at the same time, kind of thing. But the rest of the cast acquits himself well, and the the story it doesn't insult your intelligence. It 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 tells a story, and you it's like you said. There are some things after the fact, like Chris and I were saying that you're like, well, wait a minute. But by that point, the movie's done, and you had a good time, yeah. and you have a positive feeling, of, and it ends really good too. The ending. 
the ending is one of the, is just another great twist and full spoilers here. The idea that, like you said, that there's salt everywhere. Well, there's no more salt than in, you know, the, uh, the great salt flats, you know, <laughs> and burying the grimoire in the middle of the great salt flats. It's, yep. you're like, you, you groan a little bit, but you're like, okay, that's also pretty damn clever. And and it brings a yeah. smile to your face every time she, that it she does should to have me brought, every She time. should have brought the the priest with her to hallow the ground around it too, <laughs> just to, just for. But it, it made a much better scene of her just like riding off alone, Dukes of Hazard yeah. style, yeehaw. And <laughs> and, it, and it also and it also shows Cassandra's growth, right? That right. she got she got her youth back, and I don't want anything to do with this red fern. I said I would do this until I got my bracelet, but now she's finishing the job, right? Because that that is the growth that Cassandra. Well, she finished. Yeah, made. she finished the job too with the with the spiking him with the. Because I was wondering where they were going with her with her insulin. Yeah, insulin. Because yeah. it was just like they not making her a diabetic for no reason. But I'm trying to think of like I'm like, yeah, I don't know if what, what, insulin is bad for witches. I I don't know. Maybe it comes. I I don't know. But then then it so, then it happened. When it happened, I went like. Yay! They, they tied it back. <laughs> they threw the brick in the they threw the brick in the first reel, and it comes back in the last reel. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So the thing is, what you the thing is when you're thinking, and they talk about the salt, and you, and again, not not personally being diabetic, you start thinking to yourself, going, well, insulin doesn't really have a lot of salt in it. Like it's not like that's not where you, like you because my mind immediately starts looking for why why did she even mention she's diabetic. Right. You know, it doesn't make any sense otherwise. Right. So my mind started like filling those things in. And I remember, I mean, again, now once I started watching, I remembered the end and I'm like, oh, my God, I remember thinking, yeah, uh, why else would you do it? Um, you know, just uh, I, I think, honestly, I think they thought that um, um, what's her name? That uh, um, Lori Singer was going to be. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But Lori Singer, the actress, I think they think she was going to yeah. be bigger. Uh, just real quick. I want to throw this out there um, because. She, you know, she kind of looks familiar, but at the same time, not. Um, but so I went and looked up what she was on. Alistair Lilu. No. She's the Beastmaster's sister. Okay. But yeah. she, what do you call? She was, she was on 130, she was on 38 episodes of Fame, oh, um, which ran through the 80s. She was in Footloose. She was in The Falcon and the Snowman, right? Um, and but she wasn't in Beastmaster, guys. Like you keep saying that, but she's not here. Uh, no, she's so, the Beastmaster's sister. Okay, she's the actual sister of Mark. Singer. Oh, yes, yes. The, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you meant the movie. I, go, I, I had to think about that for a second. I'm like, Beastmaster doesn't have a sister. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. I know what he said. <laughs> um, but I'm saying when you see her, I think they thought also too that she might be. You know, hit all. You know, become like this. You know, bigger. You know, like kind of a more of a like. You know, because they were always trying to find. And I know it sounds weird to say it now, but like people like Gina Davis when she was like in Earth Girls Are Easy, like she was just like a bimbo in the movie. I'm not trying to be mean, but that's what she was. And like you know, people are like, oh shit, Gina Davis is like a really respected actress. It's like yeah, she used to not be. Uh, you know, <laughs> well, kind of thing. Like, what you want to know one one thing. One thing that's funny or odd I found about Laurie Singer, both Laurie Singer and Richard E. Grant both won Independent Spirit Awards. Oh. So it's like, so they, they that, that gives you an idea of the type of film they were working on in the U.S., right? That, that, that they were both, you know, winning the Independent Spirit Award for, for independent film, and obviously they both were good enough to, to win that award. 
Well, I just thought that was funny when I was doing my research that, you know, the, the two main uh, heroes of the film both were uh, not only, you know, in that scene, but also won awards for it. I remember so I she was that. in some movie that she got a lot of crit- critical praise for. I want to say it was like the the um oh the ballad of Billie Jean or whatever the you you, you know what I'm talking about where she well, played... she was in well she was in Footloose you know yeah that, well, is, and that should be critically acclaimed she's but. the main star and well, not the main star but she's like one of the main people in Footloose which is really funny she's also because... in, you she's also in Shortcuts which I do remember the the uh, Robert Altman film Altman the one she movie. won her Independent Spirit Award for is Trouble in Mind. Which had, that's got Chris Christopherson and uh, you know uh, Genevieve Bujold in there, uh, and also Divine, not in drag. Yes. <laughs> so, so real, mark, real quick, mark that on the scoreboards, folks. I mean, we're scoring at home. This out there because I don't think we're ever going to cover Footloose on this show. Um, in that movie, uh, her parents are played by Diane Weist, who is nine years older than her, <laughs> and John Lithgow, who is fourteen years older than her. Because she's playing a teenager, but she was born in 1957, and that takes place in 1982. She's not quite a teenager anymore. I'm just saying. Anyway. Well, you know, she could be like <laughs> Carolyn Monroe in uh, in Slaughter High, right? Yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> I'm the just saying. Is, of, the beginning of Slaughter High. The beginning of Slaughter High. Yeah, because later on she's like, I'm just saying, it's 1984. Footloose is 84. I mean, yeah. I'm just saying, she's a little older some, than yeah. teenager. I was gonna say, Jay, that's some that's some inception level shit. Footloose is nineteen eighty four. Sure Isn't is, it? man. Sure wow. is. Yeah, dude. Really <laughs> makes you think about what I have no idea, but it really makes you think, you know. <laughs> I can honestly I say though. I'm but... sorry, every time I every time I hear that, I, I I'm sorry, every time I hear about what I have no idea, it's it's back to school. I yeah. like him. He really cares about what I have no idea. You know? <laughs> yeah. All right, we're getting way far. Yeah, we're out. So, yeah, so if you if you want to watch War- Warlock, um, obviously it's available on on DVD, so it's out there. It is available free to stream on Tubi. So uh, as is the Armageddon. So if you want to watch Julian Sands as the Warlock, uh, just fire up your Tubi machine and you can watch it for free. You know, guys know I'm a big proponent of uh, free streaming services. There's a lot of oddball stuff. You can find some some unusual things, but also this type of like catalog movie is very common yeah. on a lot of those free services. So be sure to check those out. Yeah, you, and should, you, you should be using Tubi anyway because it's the only place you can watch MXC. So yes, what are these people running from? They're not. They're, They're running, running too. <laughs> you can watch MXC, but you'd have to be at my house because I have all the DVD sets that ever came out at MXC. The, that was that was the Tuesday they came out at Best Buy purchase for me. Yeah. And then I bring home and go, Kel, let's watch them. He goes, we've seen all these. I go, yeah, but there's no commercials. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I can watch that shit on a loop. <laughs> so Haley had never I, seen I, them. I, I love MXC so much. Like, cool. I've started, I've started watching to get the uh, the British version of Takeshi's Castle on YouTube. <laughs> but in any event, before, before we start talking about, wait, wait for our spinoff show, Storm in the Castle, all about MXC and Takeshi's <laughs> Castle. Um, Here's how much did that hurt on a scale of one to ten? I think that'd be about a seven there. But anyway, uh, so yeah, so check it out on Tubi. Uh, if you would like to uh, reach us on email, you can send us an email at 
freakvault at gmail.com freakvault at gmail.com we'd love to hear your thoughts were you a, uh, a fan of warlock back in the day do you remember seeing the commercials for it on wrestling like i did uh did you do you like the armageddon did you play the video game did you discover it on cable whatever love to hear some feedback on that uh we got all you know any anything we'd, we'd love to hear from you in that so uh guys before we uh close the book so to speak Ooh. on uh, on warlock anyone got any any parting thoughts on uh, Julian Sands and Larry Singer and Richard E. Grant and their romp around to discover the true name of God. Yes, I have one thing. One thing to throw in. Uh, Vestron Video uh, put out the special edition of the Warlock Collection. It's all three films. Warlock is its own disc. Warlock, The Armageddon, and Warlock 3 are uh, together. It's part of their series. They put out the Wishmaster Collection. They put out um, the... uh, works collection they put all that stuff vestron video has it out you can often find this if you just are patient on amazon for like five six bucks like if you just take your time um you can often find it uh you know um uh, not necessarily used but like they'll usually run a sale especially um you know around october-ish time whatever they try to blow them out just throw it out there for those of you who like physical media you can, again and not that you shouldn't watch it on tubi but i'm saying but if you wanted physically uh physical media it might be a little harder to track down this vhs uh you know kind of thing so you might you can pick up the blu-rays of all together so yeah grab you so. grab, grab grab a grab a beverage of your choice and a ton of popcorn and some pizza and 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 watch this one because you'll have a good time for but sure, it's, it's just the 90s. This is definitely a fun. Yeah, this is definitely a fun movie to watch with your friends because it's legitimately entertaining, and it's got a lot of just fun, yeah. fun cheese in it. And like, there's great like moments that like the moment where he cut the guy's pinky off to get get it. <laughs> yes, is com- is com- I I laughed out loud. It's so abrupt, and then it's so it's funny. It's abrupt in just the way it, uh, I was just like, oh, man. And then the guy falls down, and when he picks him up, the guy wraps his head on the on yeah. the hand on the door. That had to have been a mistake, and they just left it in. Yeah, yeah, there were a couple little, like, yeah. But, but yeah, it was a mis- it, it But leaving it in, or if they planned it, it was just a nice time. And it was almost three stooges, you know, yep. at that point, yeah. And I was thinking this would be fun in a movie theater. That must have been like great fun. There must have been a lot. I mean, just the scene where he comes flying out of the the barn and it looks just like a modern sort of like bad video Chiron effect. (laughs) Must have been fun in the, you know, must have got a good laugh in the theater, you know? Mm -hmm. All right, so please check it out. Give us some feedback. And hey, you never know what's coming down the pike. Maybe. Maybe we'll cover something else uh, from around this era soon enough on uh, on the on the horror wreck hanger on, but we'll have to see. So, as far as what's coming next, hey, listeners, your guess is as good as mine. I don't program the other half of this show. I only program these these VHS movies. So, I don't you know. program anything. No, you're talent, man. You're just I'm just talent. not your talent. You're, yes. Yeah, that's all you are. You just you show up five minutes before we record. What are we doing today, Warlock? All right, let's all right, go. Warlock. <laughs> yeah, I see that one. Anyway, let's go, uh, you know, but but I do want to say word of caution. If you are an unbaptized male child and a blonde guy starts showing way too much interest in you, just be forewarned. That's all I got to say. Yeah, try to to maintain a low body fat index. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> number, or just get an emergency baptism, like on the. Or else you might be end up bubbling in a cup and slurp down <laughs> by Legolas. That's actually the way I want to go out. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Uh, oh. Yikes. <laughs> Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks.